are recording. Hello, listeners, wherever you are, and welcome to Fix This Flick, a podcast where two self-appointed movie critics deconstruct your favorite films and tell you how we'd make them better. I'm your host, Ali, and for the first episode of our second season, the premiere, if you will, I'm joined by guest host Connor for his second appearance on the pod. It's an honor to be back for the premiere. I didn't even know. <laughs> yeah, it was a very low-key premiere. No red carpet, nothing. So how you been? You know, I've been good. Uh, just waiting for my next invite. It's been a few months now, but uh, finally here. Yeah, yeah, I was saving you for the premiere. Yeah, good to have you. And to start off our new season, we'll be fixing the most overrated Bond film of all time, Skyfall. What do you say about a man like that? Three months ago, you lost the drive containing the identity of every agent embedded in terrorist organizations across the globe. I made a judgment call. There isn't much road left. Take the bloody shot. Seven reporting for duty. Where the hell have you been? Enjoying death. I only have one question. Why not stay dead? There's no shame in saying you've lost a step. I'm your new quartermaster. You must be joking. Author PPKS 9mm short. It's been coded to your palm print, so only you can fire it. Less of a random killing machine, more of a personal statement. Q. 007. I want to meet your employer. Be careful what you wish for, Mr. Bond. James Bond. How much do you know about fear? All there is. Not like this. Not like him. Just look at you. Chasing spies. England. The Empire. And my six. So old-fashioned. She sent you after me, know when you're not ready, know when you would likely die. Mommy was very bad. The two survivors, this is what she made us. Everybody needs a hobby. So what's yours? Resurrection. Skyfall begins with MI6 in crisis. A mysterious terrorist has exposed the identities of secret agents around the world. Bond, played for the third time by Daniel Craig, is assigned to track down the culprit, a mission that threatens to uncover dark secrets in the past of his superior, M, played by Judi Dench, and one that makes Bond start to question his own allegiances. Four years after the commercial and critical dud that was 2008's Quantum of Solace, Skyfall arrived to become the James Bond franchise's most successful movie ever, grossing more than 1 billion US dollars worldwide and made by Oscar-winning director Sam Mendes. Audiences loved Skyfall's stunning visuals and a creepy villainous performance by Javier Bardem. But was Skyfall worthy of all the hype? And does Skyfall's dense and intricate plot hold up 
to close scrutiny. Does the plot of a Bond movie even matter? We'll answer these questions and more as we unpack the movie to figure out why it was so popular, talk about why it worked for us, what didn't, and think of a few things that might improve it. And then we'll pass our final judgment on whether Skyfall is fixable, fine just as it is, or damaged beyond repair. And as always, spoiler alert from here on out. So Connor, I kind of wanted to ask you because I realized I never really knew what your opinion was before, but do you like James Bond? Do you like the Bond movies? I'd say so. I grew up with a couple of the iconic ones like GoldenEye, and I played the games on N64 <laughs> and stuff. GoldenEye. I remember that World one. is Not Enough. Um, yeah, I really like Pierce Brosnan's Bond. They were kind of corny at times, but I just liked his mix of charm and killing ability. But even like the older ones, like I remember my mom growing up and watching the Sean Connery ones and stuff. And they were like, once again, they're so corny, but they're so good. These new ones are a whole different breed. But yeah, I do like them. I, I mean, they're like a Mission Impossible type thing with more of a romantic twist. And I'd say like more lameness too. But it's almost kind of like a fun lameness, especially if you watch the older ones. I think I was telling you about this one that Sean Connery did in the 60s where he dresses up. He disguises himself as a Japanese man. And it's just so ridiculous. Like they just cut his hair and put him in a kimono. And that's pretty much it. He's supposed (laughs) to be Japanese. That's how Sean Connery passes off a lot of his characters. (laughs) (laughs) And the accent still works for that. Accent never changes. Yeah. So true. But for me, I was never really a huge fan of the Bond movies. I guess I liked the, you know, exotic locations, the the hot women. It's like the very basic reasons why anyone else likes James Bond. I wouldn't say I ever thought any one of them was great. But as you mentioned earlier, when they made the shift to Daniel Craig as the latest Bond, starting with Casino Royale, they clearly went for a more gritty, realistic style. And I think I really started to like it after that. I really like Casino Royale. Yeah, well, that's where we kind of were discussing before was the old ones were almost like so hokey in that the the hero the spy james bond he's just like this womanizer gets any woman he wants always gets the bad guy like it's a flawless execution of all these things and in the new ones bond became vulnerable he had weaknesses he had flaws and the women were compromising him he still got all the women but the women left an impact like in the older movies he they're just kind of disposable like with some exceptions i i guess but for the most part yeah just completely expendable you don't even really remember them beyond their silly names like pussy galore it's a classic (laughs) yeah but in these ones the love interest in casino royale that devastates him and he's like actually motivated for revenge in the next movie and even the pierce brosnan ones like some of the women betray him that's his one vice is that he's the women yeah yeah, he falls for the women he knows they're bad and he still falls for them and they betray him yeah so it's like kind of been like a gradual progression from pure fantasy to more realism over the years i kind of liked it i liked casino royale quantum of solace i think most people would agree was pretty forgettable but with skyfall i went into it with pretty high expectations they got this really big high profile director i think he directed american beauty yeah so the movie i would say we were talking about this earlier as well that like the first half is pretty solid right yeah i think so um i like the way it starts off bond is vulnerable right from the start um they throw in the theme of mi6 willing to sacrifice its agents for the greater good or for the the end justifies the means bond is 
vulnerable. He's literally shot by his own people. Like basically the whole plot is based on how this mysterious terrorist, we're not sure who it is who's behind it, has stolen this list of undercover agents who are all over the world. If this list comes out, then these agents are going to get killed and they're trying to get the guy who has the list. And that's when Bond gets shot. So M, his boss, Judy Dench, she makes the decision to take the risk of maybe getting him shot to get that list and backfires. He gets shot and falls down a river and then you cue, cue the Adele song. <laughs> and Skyfall, at Skyfall. <laughs> and even, I think she probably struggled to figure out things that she could rhyme with Skyfall. So she, she tried. said tall, fall. So, and, then, and then that's pretty much it. Yeah, that's. I think that's it. Oscar winning song though. I think. Was it? <laughs> yeah. Doesn't take much these days, people. <laughs> so Bond, yeah, okay, that's where it starts. Bond's relationship with M. In the previous movies, like, she puts him in harm's way, but never, like, other than Casino Royale, maybe. Well, these new movies, I'd say he gets put in harm's way a lot. I think they established in the previous movies that he sort of distrusts her. There's, like, there's friction in the relationship, for sure. She thinks he's too, um, he doesn't play by the book enough, right. and he thinks... Her priorities are elsewhere. Okay, so that's kind of what I was going to say. So the old ones, she's putting him in harm's way. Obviously, he's an agent. He's going out in the field. He's going to be put in harm's way. But in the old ones, his kind of like not playing by the rules is what gets him in trouble. Or he pushes it too far. Or he tries to get the guy too soon or whatever. He tries to do it alone. And in this one, it's more he's wrestling with this assassin. He's, he's blameless. He's just doing his job. Yeah, he's wrestling and Eve... His partner is aiming down sight from far range on a moving train that they're battling on top of. And M is in charge of the task. She's not on the field. She's back in headquarters or whatever behind yeah. her cushy desk. And she's charged with the task of when should she shoot? And she's just saying, take the shot, take the shot, take the shot. And Eve doesn't want to, but eventually has to because they're about to go through a tunnel, I think. Yeah. And Bond is shot. It's like, okay, yeah, he's blameless. It's completely on the agency that was willing to have him perhaps killed in order to not let this guy get away. Yeah, and so he does get away, and they don't know where the list is. And Bond, I think, they don't really explain it, but he just takes this opportunity to just disappear. He shows up on some Caribbean, whatever, desert island, and he's just drinking, having fun, and sleeping with women. This, this might be my first criticism. Oh, already? So he's <laughs> shot off the train, like, with a sniper rifle. He falls into, like, rapids. And then there's no, like, his struggle. He just washes up on this Caribbean island. Well, who knows? <laughs> it's, it's even <laughs> That's what un- it seems it, like. Yeah, I know. It's unclear how much time the, has the passed. The next scene, he's, like, in a cabana, slamming martinis by day, slamming women by night. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. And there's no, like holy shit, how did he survive that? It's just, he's alive. The next scene, you're, he's fine. You could make the argument that that whole harrowing experience could have been its own movie. I don't know. The whole harrowing experience, other than the fact that it shows that M was willing to sacrifice him, becomes immediately pointless because he's like, he's back right away. Like, it's emotional. Like, oh my God, this guy I've been watching 30 movies of finally gets shot. You know he's not going to be dead, but like, you'd expect to see him like crawl into shore and have to patch his wounds and make his way to a hospital. I know, it's, I see what your point is. Like, it's supposed to be this kind of big betrayal, but it's kind of just brushed over yeah, and then the movie just continues. Yeah, it's brushed over right away and then Bond's doing what he loves to do. Yeah, yeah. So basically what happens is there's a terrorist attack at MI6 headquarters and it's definitely connected with whoever stole the list and Bond, he hears about it in the news or something and he comes back and he's back yeah, in action he, and they're trying to track down whoever's responsible. So, so he was willing to like throw it all away or he was taking a break 
it's not quite clear what he was doing. He yeah. might have felt betrayed and he's like, I'm done with this. They don't even care about me. But then like something hits home for him. Like that's his home or his second home. Oh, yeah. Spoiler. That yeah. got attacked. And his mom. And M- yeah. there's there's kind of that relationship, the mother-son thing. Even though she put him in harm's way, he's still going to come back and save her. So he shows up at her house and that's how he comes back. In the middle of the night. In, in the, the middle dark. of the night. He scares her. And that's the first sign at M's vulnerability. I mean, after that, like the, the first half is pretty boilerplate. Like, so we've established that there's this friction in a relationship and Bond is questioning what he's doing. He shows up in rough shape. He's been drinking a lot and he's still wounded from the like the bullet that he took from his, his field companion. What's her name? Eve. Eve. Yeah, we'll, we'll save the spoiler about her until the end. <laughs> Very important spoiler. Yes. So he's not in good shape, but they send him out into the field anyway. He does all these tests. And yeah, he, he does fails. all these tests. Yeah. And they say he passed just because they want to get him out there again. Yeah. Which again shows that he's kind of just this pawn. They don't really care yeah. about his well-being that much. Or is it they have faith in his ability? I think they're kind it's of juggling It's a bit both, of both. A right? little bit yeah. of both. He, he tries to track down the person who stole the list to Shanghai and... He can't get the list from him because he kills him in the process, but he does manage. But he finds a poker chip, a poker which chip. leads him to the next part. Next exotic location, which is a casino in Macau. So this is also the reason why I start confusing these movies. So he's in a casino again. Or like Casino Royale. poker chip leads him there. Except this time it's not a defibrillator that gets his heart going. It's a woman Ooh. at the bar. <laughs> that was so cool. <laughs> and... He sees this woman. She's in China, like in Shanghai. She's the woman in the room where the assassin kills okay, someone. Okay, right, right. So he recognizes her. Yeah. Right away, all these like triad bodyguards show up, realize he's at a place or he's not the person they're expecting. They Well, he cashed the, the chip and they were waiting to see who would cash that chip because it was supposed to belong to the assassin who never, right. I guess, never reported in or something. Yeah. Well, clearly he fell. 200 <laughs> stories um <laughs> so yeah bond comes in his place and i guess right away they realize something's not right here she tells him that she's going on a boat and that will lead him to where he wants to go and that she's telling him this because clearly she's in fear of her own life or she's being mistreated or something yeah, she she speaks of this man and and bond kind of figures out some sort of boyfriend and she's terrified of him she says oh God, he's capable of terrible things you don't know what he's capable of i think she's desperate to be rescued and so she tells bond how to get to the boat triad people come in and a komodo dragon eats them (laughs) yeah they have a weird battle and yeah and the komodo dragons that are supposed to eat bond eat all the triad people which i felt like was something that you'd see in the old like you know roger moore sean connery movies it's kind of weird to see it in this new gritty realistic it it once again got a bit outrageous well if you remember there's one point where daniel craig literally just points at the komodo dragon to get the triad guy's attention like holy shit there's a fucking komodo dragon behind you and he gets hit because he's not focused on the fight i was like is this what this new bond that we've been watching in these last few movies would do he wouldn't give a shit that there's right. a motor it's going back to the kind of the comedic yeah. elements of the pierce brosnan ones and so on i don't know minor fix to get rid of that i don't know yeah. what, what, whatever yeah. that's not really important uh, but what happens is he, he basically escapes he gets on the boat he does what bond he, does best <laughs> he seduces her very easily well he kind of just sneaks up on her in the sh- like it's like all the things that you could do in real life that would just be horrifying to women and bond just like a, the plot of psycho yeah, like he just sneaks into the shower with her. She's not expecting anyone and he just starts kissing her. He takes his clothes off. He's very forward. And he just starts kissing the back of her neck. And she doesn't seem particularly surprised or perturbed. No. Nope. If anything, aroused. So he gets the loofah out. And 
anyway, yeah, this is all in they, the movie. They fin- yeah. <laughs> so they finish with that. They give themselves up and they're going to the island of this mysterious villain. We had a kind of disagreement about this, but I think Bond was willing to give himself up because he suspected who the villain was. The problem I have with that, and I'm not disagreeing necessarily, the problem I have with that is there's like zero indication that you know this person from previous films because we're gonna get to the next part he's a former mi6 agent there's zero indication that there's other agents that have i mean i guess you can assume there's been other agents that have been wronged by m and gone missing or off the books or whatever but yeah there's it's just kind of out of nowhere we actually should mention at this point that this villain this former mi6 agent he's been sending messages to m telling her think on your sins and he clearly has some sort of personal agenda against yes okay he starts revealing the the names of the undercover agents some of them get killed and it's clearly all to punish m first of all we just meet the villain we go to this island that's just this abandoned city it's abandoned city it looks like a like nuclear tests on it or something i don't even know essentially well he explains once he meets bond he explains that he used the computer to show that there was a chemical leak or something and everyone just fled the island and he Mm. just kind of took it over And we learn that he has nearly limitless power. Because of his ability with computers. Right. So Bond gives himself up to him. He has a tracker on him or something. Exactly, yeah. Like a radio. So, yeah, his name's Silva in the movie. And he's a a pretty (laughs) eccentric guy. This is... Okay, here's my next big thing. All right, let's hear it. Everyone was loving his character, saying he was creepy or whatever. He was like a cheap knockoff between like a jaws combined with like a hannibal lecter or something once again getting ahead of ourselves but he reveals to m later on in the way that he was betrayed and that he was on a mission sent by her he went too far in the mission seems like he was just doing things on his own for for his own gain on the side and so m gave him up to the chinese government in exchange for a few agents coming the other way and he's tortured, and I think he just decides to take a cyanide tablet. That I think has. she gave it to him in case he ever... Is that part of it? I, I think am I remembering I, that wrong? I think that's standard issue or something, that they okay. all have that they in all case have the captured. Hitler cyanide tablet yeah. <laughs> in case things go bad. Did you hear Hitler actually escaped? Did he? Subject for a conspiracy <laughs> theory podcast, maybe. <laughs> so he's got the cyanide tablet, and he takes it, and it like melts his jaw away or something. Like part of his skull. Kind of disfigured. Yeah. But not in like a super creepy, like two-faced way. It looked kind of creepy once he removed the implant thing that he had in. Oh, it? yes. Right. He does reveal that later. But like, why not always have that? And just To always... just make him look extra creepy? Yeah. I didn't think there's that much depth to his character really like it seemed like everyone loved it i just thought it was was, pretty plain he was just simplistically weird and motivated by simplistic revenge really and a lot of bond villains i guess are pretty one-dimensional and they just yeah so when people laser on the moon or whatever they want (laughs) to do so i suppose there could be an argument that like in the pantheon of bond villains he is probably up there just because the competition isn't that great right I would say Mads Mikkelsen in Casino Royale is one of the best ones, actually. Okay, yeah. And what about Xena on the top from GoldenEye? Even she's, she's, she's not even like the main villain. Character. Yeah, Yeah. okay, so he's memorable. I'll give you that. Everything's relative, yeah. So he's on the island. He uh, Bond meets Silva, the supervillain. He explains his whole backstory that I used to be an agent like you and M wronged me. It's revealed that he must have known about Bond's shoddy test his accuracy test he needed to take we mentioned the training he failed earlier part of it was like an accuracy test so he sets up the girl that was on the boat that he slept with with a whiskey glass on her head and he says if you can shoot the whiskey glass off her head then uh she lives but if you can't then she dies and so bond 
once again showing his vulnerability or with his weakness he's aiming and i think he realizes he can't possibly do it without taking the risk of killing her so he purposely misses silva keeps his promise and shoots her anyway which we figured out he probably was gonna do no matter what yeah for sure and then boom mi6 shows up bond kicks some ass yeah bond kicks some ass first and (laughs) silva just watches him kill everyone right as he's aiming at him all these mi6 helicopters show up and Perfect timing, rescue him and yeah. capture Silva. It was suspiciously easy, perhaps, but we'll yes. get to that in a second. So they've captured Silva and they take him back to MI6. So because of the terrorist attack that, that Silva caused earlier, the bombing, MI6 has been moved underground. And so they have him in this Hannibal Lecter-style glass cage where he proceeds to do the other common villain trope of explaining all of his motivation right. to M, dying. You can tell he's just been dying to see her in person to tell her about how she wronged him, to show her the That's disfigurement. when he reveals the disfigurement. Yeah. And I'll say at this point, I'm still with the movie. I'm, I'm into it. I'm yeah. following along. Yeah. For me, it's really at this point when he escapes that the movie falls apart. And now we've come to the main thing I really wanted to talk about, which is Silva's escape, master escape plan. He hacks all of MI6, shuts off the lights, opens up every door, his cell. And by the time they figure out what's going on, he's escaped. Bond clues in, he's escaped, sees like an open sewer grate or something. And naturally they go on the chase. Silva has everything planned out, even through this sewer chase, such that at one point during Silva's escape, he's going to the above ground and he detonates this bomb, which leads a subway train flying through into the underground to hit Bond and Bond narrowly escapes that. And he wants to escape so he can then dress up as a policeman and then break into this panel hearing or something that M is going to in the middle of London and where she's basically being chastised Right. And forced into early retirement for all those agents who've been exposed and are getting killed. Yes. So they're trying to show that MI6 is a flawed entity, too secret. The government needs oversight over it. So he shows up at the courthouse to get M and he's dressed up as a cop. Brilliant plan. Him and his henchmen dress up as cop and dispatch the two or three cops there. So Silva gets his way. He gets in and he has her at gunpoint. And the oversight guy in MI6, played by Ralph Fiennes, Mallory, dives in front of M. Takes a bullet and saves and, her life. And you learn that he's a previous field agent. He sacrifices himself like the Bond and like the others. So M escapes. There's a lot of things that confuse me about this master plan of Silva. So we are led to believe that this is something that he's been planning for years. Yeah. So I have a few questions for you. I couldn't answer them myself, so I want to see if you can answer them. My first question is, what advantage did Silva gain in being captured by MI6 and then trying to escape through the tunnels to get at M in broad daylight. I think to show that they're flawed and that he was better than them. So he was, the whole thing was just to flex. The whole thing was just to flex on M. She thought that she was doing justice and that he had gone rogue. This was like, okay, MI6 triumphs. We always find the bad guy. And he's going, no, you don't always find the bad guy. And he gets away. And then Mm -hmm. not just that, he's going to try and disgrace her by during this meeting where she's at her lowest of lows, they're chastising her, they're threatening to shut down the program, fire her, or force her retirement. He shows up and he's going to kill her in that moment, like her lowest moment. So it is kind of an interesting plan. The way it works out absolutely flawlessly is a bit ridiculous. Well, wait, here's, well, here's a few things. Did he know when he hatched this plan that M would end up in front of a disciplinary panel 
where he could get at her. Yeah, he must have known that if he, <laughs> he started that- hitting off agents, that they would just come down, the axe would come down on M's head. Specifically in that so way. So he even knows all the bureaucratic bullshit side of things. He not just knows how to hack every computer in the world. He knows what he the predicts, government will do. He predicts everything that the bureaucracy will yes. do and in what order and according yeah. to what time. In, including the subway um, the subway train times. schedule. Yeah, the subway yeah. train schedule down to the second. Years, years in advance. He knew that Bond would... Show up on the island. Show up on the island. He knew, I guess, someone he, would show up on the island. He knew that he would be captured there. He knew they would track down the agent and follow him. <laughs> it's yeah. like the number of steps and way, like things that had to work. How did he know, for example, that Bond wouldn't just kill him on the island? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you could maybe make the, you know, like the argument that people make for the Joker in The Dark Knight because the Joker also has this crazy, like omni- omnipotent mm-hmm. plan. And maybe the Joker just didn't care and it just worked out however it right. worked out. And maybe you could say it, the same thing for Silva. He just... It does remind me of that. Of I these think. master plans that yeah. are so intricate. And they're like done in these twists and turnways to keep like, us entertained. But if you really scrutinize them, they don't make sense. Even like the opening scene, The Dark Knight, the bus thing, the bank robbery. Who says he couldn't have been killed by any of the other guys? Like they all betray one another right and then he's the last guy and he escapes how, how or even the the bank teller guy that comes in with the shotgun not the bank teller but the manager the manager how did he know that he clearly yeah, didn't he know could have shot happen. him he aimed a gun at him and said do you know whose yeah, bank this yeah, is or yeah whatever? anyway not getting into that <laughs> but it did feel like that of just no matter what happens Silva's gonna be successful he's gonna come out plot. on top you could maybe make the argument that he's crazy and he doesn't give a shit right. if it doesn't work if he dies right. he dies but he seems to really care about taking down M with him yeah okay well he, this comes to my kind of like last question about this this master plan is so it seemed like his revenge was really personal like he wanted to make her suffer and yep. suffer what symbolic value did killing her at this disciplinary panel have for him especially once we get to like the end of the movie where he seemed to like really want to just be up close and personal with her and this he was just gonna kind of shoot her off from the distance in, in this right. in this crowded public space i think he he had drawn it up that it was gonna he was gonna disgrace her in this panel. And then when it didn't happen that way, we later learn, like not to get too far ahead of ourselves, we later learn in the movie that he's almost like has this revelation of like, ah, of, of course it happened this way. Like mm-hmm. he he almost prefers this. Like this is something mm-hmm. he didn't even draw yeah. up. But like I mean, as we saw earlier when like when Bond just kind of broke into her apartment, there were so many things he, he could have done. He could have showed up there at night like Bond did. So here's my suspicion. I think that the movie makers they just had in this uh, they had this idea that we're gonna make the villain have this super master plan where he seems like he's been captured but he's actually outsmarting them all. Yep. We want to set it in London Cheap twist, and we want to yeah they want that twist and they and we want to have this big epic gunfight in the middle of broad daylight in London for the thematic value yep. of this underground stuff being exposed. And they didn't take the time to make it make sense. Which I think is a yeah. problem in a lot of the big blockbuster movies. There's a lot of very obvious themes or symbols in the movie that I like, but the way they're executed is the part I don't heavy, like. Heavy handed. Like, I get it. The underground's being exposed. Um, that's MI6. They're being exposed. The way he's doing it, that's your master plan to show up in a cop uniform and, <laughs> like, and just kind of pop, yeah, pop a just bullet pop off with from a, a handgun, like as if there wouldn't be better security there. Or I guess it fails because it does, it fail. does fail. Yeah, it does fail. And that leads us to the next part of Bond's, Bond's own master plan. Yeah. But before we get to that, I want to suggest a few fixes and see what you think for the master plan of 
Silva. One thing I hate that movies do, especially action movies, is like the whole trope about the villain who intentionally gets himself captured, mm-hmm. but he's actually been planning it all along. It's so tired and it's just like, a, as we talked about, like a cheap way to just kind of get a twist in the movie. If you want to keep the trope, fine, keep it. But it would have been better if him going to MI6 was somehow important to his plan. Like it got what he needed done right like maybe m was hiding in the undergrounds unnecessary this was the only way to get at her in in this case it's just like you said it's just like kind of like flexing yeah which does have some sort of plot value i suppose but it's just so farcical because of all the planning he had to do just in terms way he got out too shot off everything got out where at least once again because it's so similar the glass cage the hannibal lecter scene from silence of the lambs the way he escapes is so brilliant it works it and it actually is a twist that if you don't know it's coming will fool you yeah you know what i like about that because it was a combination of planned like he hides some like he hides something in his mm-hmm. clothes or whatever mm-hmm. like someone forgets to like take a fork or something out something yeah, like, something like, like that a pin or a fork a or pin something. so it's partially planned but partially also spontaneous in his like mouth too yes in his mouth but then he just goes for it like he doesn't know how it's going to work out yeah i think if they had done something similar with silva that that would have shown his desperation and his just the sheer drive to just get Mm -hmm. revenge like he'll he'll go to any length maybe it would have been a nice twist if he had a cyanide tablet like he just pretended to kill himself something something like that i don't know cage yeah i feel like it was just anything else and oh master hacker escapes timing everything and then showing up the court the perfect moment it seemed cheap like that's when the movie started to the island thing too i think started to go off the rails for me a bit yeah so it just seems so ridiculous it's just this he's better than mi6 ego thing the whole Mm -hmm. time or he's trying to prove himself. Is that another thing too? Is there like a brotherly thing between him and well, Bond? You know what? I was going to talk about this at the end, but I think it's worth mentioning now. For me, it seems like they didn't really know each other. Like he, like Bond knew of him. Like he said, oh, you worked in the Beijing bureau or something, mm-hmm. right? But they didn't know each other. The, the central relationship is between M and Silva. They're kind of trying to connect that to M and Bond. And I think it would have been more interesting and the movie would have had more layers if Bond and Silva had more of a dynamic, more of a connection. Connection, like a past together maybe silva had more influence or sway on bond like bond maybe had like mixed feelings about silva because in the movie he just hates him like he's yeah. just trying to defeat him like they're not at all alike other than the fact that m is the mum yeah. figure so it would have been interesting if they had some sort of backstory together because the movie's trying to do this thing where you bond is questioning his allegiances and is this the right life for him like and that's what silva's trying to tell him like join me join me right but you never get a sense that he's really tempted to. He's very much, you know, the good guy. Like, I'll never stray from this. Right. Especially once he sees Silva doing what he's doing. Like, his whole grand plan in that way mm-hmm. is failing. Because he's showing that MI6 is necessary. He's showing that Bond's allegiance is a good thing. And that in defeating him, they're doing the right thing. Perhaps this is too edgy for them to do, like, for, like, a Bond movie. But maybe they should have pushed it more in terms of making us really question, should yeah. MI6 be doing this? Should Bond trust these people? Maybe he should just quit. But, of course, <laughs> that would just, just destroy right. the franchise. So they're never right. going to do that. Right. But they could. They were kind of hinting at that. I know. That's, what, that's what's away... so annoying. They're teasing at it, but they're not really doing it. And then they took away all ambiguity. And they're just like, nope. Silva's yes. is evil entity. Silva has like no justification for what he did. I think it would have been interesting if maybe M really did betray him in a way that's like morally questionable and more blatantly betrayed him. Beyond, like maybe he didn't do Even anything more wrong. more blatant than the Bond 
train sequence. Yes. In in this case, Bond's trust of her is never really questioned and nothing is questioned. And I think you and I both like movies that are a bit more ambiguous morally mm-hmm. and that are a bit more subversive. You're not going to get that from a Bond movie. I guess not. Even no. though that's what it kind of seemed to be aiming I know. At. That's the frustration. Either do it or don't is how I feel about it. Mm-hmm. But now let's let's go. Okay, so we've got Silva's master plan. And so Bond manages to get M out of this shooting that's happening at this panel hearing. And that's when we get wind of Bond's master plan of how yeah. he's going to save or help M. Right. So he takes his new Q car with M. He picks her up outside of the courthouse because of Silva's ability to hack everything and, and infiltrate MI6 that they can't trust anyone. They can't now. trust anything that's like connected Remotely to technology connected or to infrastructure. Yeah. Even though he wants them to eventually find them. He doesn't want yeah. them to find okay. them yet. Well, let's explain <laughs> this, this his plan. So... His idea is I'm going to take M to Scotland to my childhood home. There, there's no technology. There's nobody there. And for some reason, he, he believes this will give them the advantage. I understand like the part about how it's, it, it puts them on a better, in a better situation than being in a city or being with all these other people who might be compromised or mm-hmm. the hacking can get them. How is it to their advantage for him to just take an old lady to this abandoned house? in the middle of nowhere. They intentionally leave a trail that Silva can follow to get them with no help from MI6. But MI6 knows this is happening. So Q knows uh, he's the one who helps set up the trail and Mallory is aware of this, but they just sit back and do nothing. Yeah, I don't know why. It's, it's it, bizarre. <laughs> one thing we were speculating when we were talking about the movie earlier before we started recording was that they wanted to do it in a way in which no one else would be hurt. M was taking herself away from civilization so... The mm-hmm. focus would only be on her and Silva would be really motivated to just get at her instead of messing around with anything else. So maybe it was that noble aspect to it. But why couldn't they have had agents come in and help like like a trusted agents something? Because in the end, it's, it's they go to the, the house. Mm-hmm. He enlists the help of an old gameskeeper he knew from his childhood. So it's literally him and two old people booby trapping a house. And this yeah. is when the movie we were talking about, this the movie just becomes like adult version of Home Alone. Yes. So they're sitting there knowing that people are going to they don't know them. how many people they don't know how many people but they're like setting up nails under the floor or whatever little trip mines and they set up the fake mirror like the mirror to make it seem as if someone is there when they're actually not right and in this time bond's kind of reminiscing or something yeah. of his... this is the part of the movie where they explore bond's unresolved childhood trauma right which i guess leads to his allegiance of m as the mother figure and that this is fitting that he's home with M. Yeah. And again, like like how I think they kind of forced this whole big escape in, in London, like through the tunnels and all that. I think, again, they, they had the idea, we're going to end this movie. It's going to be so fitting and so poetic for it to end at Skyfall, the old, that's the name of his the, the property, okay, right? right. Uh, we're going to end it here and Bond is going to resolve all his childhood issues somehow by doing this. <laughs> <laughs> it's unclear how, but we'll get to that in a second. And so, yeah, they're just waiting and Silva sends like a, like a whole army of men basically to show up. Like he mm-hmm. sends his first wave and they're basically the the cannon fodder to just be destroyed yes. by all the... the, they're the, the wet, alone traps. They're the wet bandits if the wet bandits got killed yes. and maimed in horrible ways. <laughs> <laughs> they're blown up, killed, and they think, oh, maybe the coast is clear now. And then, no, twist. Silva shows up in an attack armored helicopter. attack helicopter with a machine gun gun and they machine gun the shit out of the, the the house and m and the old gameskeeper they escape through a tunnel like this underground secret tunnel mm-hmm. that leads to a chapel 100 yards from the house yeah yeah pretty much <laughs> maybe not in that a close secure location <laughs> 
maybe not that close, but but here's the thing that made me laugh was the attack helicopter lands. Bond is looking around at the bodies of the people they just killed, like, oh shit, like Silva isn't here. Damn it. Right. And he comes down in this helicopter after he's machine gunned the shit out of it. And he tells his henchmen, nobody touch the old lady. She's mine. And I just remember thinking, you sent <laughs> other men to try and kill her. And then you just machine gun the shit out of it. How do you even know she's still alive? Yeah. Anyway. You just Gatling like gun the thing. entire house. That's a minor thing. Anyway, the house is then blown up by Bond, which takes out the helicopter and most of the henchmen. And at this point, I was like, oh my God, movie, can you just end? Because I thought, okay, the house is going to be the final standoff. But no, <laughs> then they move to the chapel. <laughs> for the final standoff. Yeah. So they go to the chapel. Once again, there's so much blatant symbolism in the movie. The whole movie Silva saying like think on your sins and then yeah. it's in a chapel. So M and the the old man escape to the chapel and M we learn is wounded by one of those Gatling gunshots or something. He, or she was wounded henchman. by the first wave. Right. Yeah. The hench a henchman got a shot on her. So a big thing about that is too is M her one of her criticisms is she doesn't know what they go through. She's not a field agent. And so now maybe that's part of it. Is M now is like proven herself. She's shown that she'll sacrifice She's herself her for Bond. Dirty. She'll sacrifice herself for MI6. She'll get her hands dirty. She'll do the field work. So she does. So anyway, she's wounded. She's in the chapel. There's the symbolism. Silva comes in and he's basically saying like, you caused all this. We need to die together. And yeah, he, he makes her hold a gun and like he's trying to tell her like, just shoot us both in the head, I guess. Right? Right. Yeah. He has this yeah. personal moment with her. Which he wouldn't have got with his first... Right. So he says, of course, it has to happen this way. I think he decides like, do you know what? That This is how I want to go out. That's, that's what he was hell bent on doing. He's hacked yeah. the world. But the last thing he needs to do is... He has mommy issues. Is, yeah, he's got yeah. mommy issues like Bond, except he wants to kill mommy and himself. And Bond wants to save mommy. The classic case of the compliant child and the rebel yeah. child. Or another I suppose. Macaulay Culkin movie, The Good Son. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Wow. This was the, the source material for this movie was all Macaulay Culkin movies. Who yes, knew? Yeah. yeah. It all makes sense now. And not bring to mention Silence of the Lambs. Another <laughs> Macaulay Culkin movie. Uh, so Bond comes in, saves a day, throws, throws a, a knife. knife. Yeah. Throws a knife and Silva's back, and that's it. it he pretty- backstabs him. So he dies, and then Bond has this touching moment that i can't remember with yeah we, we, we were talking about how we both couldn't remember a single word she yeah. said to him but basically that i don't know she was sorry for putting him on the line and he said no it's okay is, is that even what I, I don't know i have no idea what they said what we were we were just so M redeemed herself yes that's what's important menial dialogue well her action more than the menial dialogue bond his, loves M. Yeah, and his childhood issues are all resolved uh, because he literally blew up his, his yes. old house. He blew up the memory. He's ready to move on. We then go to MI6. Uh, it's a new day. They got over M pretty quickly. <laughs> yeah, and there's a new M. It's Mallory. It's, it's, very, chip, it's very chipper in the office. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They're fl- he's flirting. <laughs> yes, he's flirting with Money Penny on his first day, on his way back from the funeral. Sorry, Eve is revealed Eve. to be Money Penny. Oh, yeah. That was a very, very important detail in the this movie as you can tell so the ending of this movie is just setting up for future ones yes, clearly clearly it's like yeah. okay out with the old the old yeah. q's we, gone. we have a new q we have a new m we have yeah. money penny yeah we, we recycled the old garbage and we have new ones <laughs> and yeah, exactly and yes mallory who has proven he's a field agent worthy guy bond can trust him and he yeah. trusts m but he can trust this new m even more and this new m says so bond are you ready for your next mission he says with pleasure and Which he repeats for emphasis yeah. with pleasure. And you wondered why he did that. And yeah, I, said, I don't understand why. Because he was just flirting with money, Penny. <laughs> still had her on his mind. 
That's the only explanation I can think of. Because he knows he just gets to sleep with endless women on these missions. <laughs> and then the movie ends and it says James Bond will return. I kind of realized this after watching the movie. Bond's plan to save or help M fails. Yeah. She, he has her killed. <laughs> he gets her killed. Like, after all this stuff. We'll have the advantage and blah, blah, blah. I guess she was just doomed all along. And Right. I think at that point when he escaped impossibly, they knew that he would stop at nothing. She removed herself. She made it just about him and them and Bond. Once again, putting him in harm's <laughs> way. <laughs> but that Bond would never leave her side. He's like a loyal dog. There, There is a recurring theme in the Bond movies I've noticed of Bond failing to save women. So I guess it's just a continuation of that. Right. And the, the most important woman. The most important women all die, yeah. Also the expendable ones. No, I mean, <laughs> this is the most important woman to him. Yes, yeah, his, his mother. Yeah. yeah. With this final, like, the last plan that Bond had, which we talked about doesn't really make sense beyond it having like a symbolic value that logically doesn't hold as a plot. What I was thinking of, okay, keep the climactic thematic end at his childhood home. But the way they did it in the movie, and it's it's a, a frustrating thing with a lot of the Bond, Bond movies where he always has to be this cool character. He's always in control. He's rarely caught in that big of a struggle where like, oh my God, what the hell do I do? I think it would have made more sense for him to do his plan if it was forced on him. So one idea I had was as we talked about maybe we establish more of a relationship between Silva and Bond so Silva's trying to get revenge on Bond too so what if Silva did manage to capture M at the panel hearing or whatever and then takes her to Skyfall right. and, and so, makes him face his past yes and so Bond has to go to his childhood home and he doesn't know what to expect but he improvises a way of defeating them. that's a great fit because he knows his home where all the booby traps would be he <laughs> yeah. knows about he the secret tunnel exactly and Silva's just waiting for him there because then at least it makes more sense right and you would i would say it would be a more impactful thematic way of resolving those issues that's I, a I great go... fix bond could you know sneak in grab M in the night somehow but silva knows that's going to happen and then he's he waiting runs to the church and he's waiting for him in the church and then they have that confrontation yeah, and then yeah. they have the confrontation yeah. there so the key of the movie is Silva trying to get revenge. It's so one-dimensional, one really. He has no justification. He's just like a villain and he's hurt because he's just fucked up. Like he has yeah. fucked up mommy issues. He was betrayed by her. Yeah. Like Bond is like the really shitty parallel there. So if we had a situation where maybe Bond was involved in betraying Silva, it was like a sim sibling rivalry that then manifested or into this M betrayal. chose Bond over him or something. Yes. Saved him. Sa he yes. was one of the agents coming yes. back or that, something. Yes, that would have been brilliant. Like Bond's life is saved and so Silva's like bitter, like, why Passed am I not away. the favorite son? Right. You'd be able to do all the things that you want to do in this movie. To your point, too, we said that Bond is always like cool and collected and he rarely gets into these. Like when he stumbles, he's like, he still makes it cool. He's, but in Casino remember, Royale, he literally dies and comes back. Yes. In a struggle. And then later on, he gets captured and gets his balls whipped. <laughs> like he's really vulnerable in those movies. And he's not cool in those, like, he's broken. Yeah, they really changed the status quo of Casino Royale. And it seemed like they wanted to do the same thing in this one, but they just didn't really push it hard enough. Because if you remember, he has all these health issues. Like, he's barely able to do what he what he used to, supposedly. And then you see him... He has that one moment where he decides to not shoot her. And that's really yeah. the only time And he has that time where, well, he's hanging from that one elevator at one point. And he lets go with his one weak arm. And he, so he's just hanging by one arm. Right. But in the final confrontation, there's no sense no, at all. It doesn't come back to no. 
it's like forgotten at that point. Like right. he's he's healed. His his magia his maga is restored or whatever <laughs> that word is. Yeah. And it kind of had a predictable end because the whole movie is basically framing it to be that M's on her way out. Yeah, they're they're moving the franchise in a different direction. And like, so you already know, like, okay, she's leaving somewhere or another. And is it going to be in this like shameful retirement? Or is it going to be like, obviously, you don't know if she's going to die or not. And then the whole way she dies is like in martyrdom. Well, here's the curse of the bomb movies. No matter how much you want to reset them, you you can never really stray too much away from the formula. Mm -hmm. So it's almost like a, a nightmare for like filmmakers, like creative people, because you're you're trapped in this box and there's already been 20 something movies and you're thinking, how can I do something new? How can I do something that hasn't been done before? And it's like, it's it's virtually impossible. Right. You're just like, what, what can you come up with next? It's like, okay, like we said before, the laser on the moon's been done. Like <laughs> this has been done. That's been done. Like Austin Powers makes fun of it. <laughs> yeah. like, everything's been done. Bond Put disguising. lasers on the shark's heads. <laughs> Bond disguising himself as a clown has been done already. <laughs> yes, <laughs> That's one Bond of the Roger has Moore infiltrated ones. everywhere. At least then he's infiltrating in like a somewhat, I don't even want to say realistic. He's infiltrating in a way that's like thematically entertaining. Whereas the Silva's infiltrating is this impossible. We said this before. He's like omnipotent in his ability. They they really wanted like it's the classic case of like trying to make the villain so super powerful, so he's really an intimidating force that it just becomes stupid. Right. It take it almost removes all what's at stake because he can do anything. Yeah. Again, this is not a superhero movie. This is supposed to be grounded in the real world, so you can't have the you know all powerful like super villain. That's the closest they can come to this hacker guy. So it ends up being pretty unsatisfying overall. Last thing I'll say just before we go to our final judgments is I'm just really tired of the style that big Hollywood movies do where they just hit you with this thing happened, this thing happened, this thing. And you, mm -hmm. can't, you can't even just like sit and absorb exactly what's going on. I wonder sometimes, is it partially because they know it all just doesn't make sense? And it's kind they of like a... They have to keep the action yeah, flowing. They have to keep the momentum going, 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 going. And you can't just sit and... Because this is supposed to be... Like an emotional journey. <laughs> yes. And it's supposed to be grounded in the real world. And then it just does these farcical things along the way right it just doesn't gel and, and it really doesn't as much as it is trying to set up these relationships i really didn't feel that much for it i guess bond is supposed to be like this like a little bit cold but like you really didn't feel no <laughs> his relationship well, with m he kind of has the problem that like someone like arnold schwarzenegger has with the terminator movies obviously daniel craig's a better actor you're, you're supposed to be this cold emotionless person but you're supposed to convey all of this these complex things going on under the surface somehow but also be cool and collected and badass mm -hmm. but also be troubled and having everything you're doing questioned <laughs> but still be cool and unflappable it's it's bizarre it's a hard character to play it is it's it, oh my god it's not an easy job whatsoever so i think he's done a great job I, He's probably the best acting Bond I've seen. Maybe you could say that Pierce Brosnan captured aesthetic I, better. I think Pierce Brosnan, honestly, in these movies would have been amazing if he wasn't 60 or whatever I know. when they, was, I, he was when just they born, were filmed. He was just born in the wrong era. They, they kind of just shoot him at the door, kind of like they did to M. Like, you're old now, just leave. But Daniel Craig, yeah, I think he's done a really good job. But Pierce Brosnan, he just, he had that charm. He had too, that though. charm. Daniel Craig doesn't have the charm. No. Like, he has a little Daniel charm. Daniel Craig is like brute. Yes. Force that attracts the women. <laughs> Pierce Brosnan, like he wasn't super strong or ripped or anything. He was just like handsome, charming, yeah. sly, witty. There's so many one-liners in those old movies that are so corny, Brilliant. but they make yeah. them. Yeah, yeah. He, he makes them work, yeah. So on to Final Judgment, Connor, is 
Skyfall fixable, fine just as it is, or damaged beyond repair. Well, now that we're in the chapel at the end, <laughs> judgment needs yes. to be laid. All the sins have been revealed. All the sins have been revealed. And you know what? I think the sins are forgivable. Just like M. I think they can be forgiven. I think there is redemption for this movie I think somewhere. There's redemption. I think there's a lot of redemption. Like I think a lot of it we liked. I honestly think your one big fix of oh, the very end. just having the the brotherly sort of relationship, the early premise of maybe Bond is revealed later to be one of the agents coming back yeah. in that trade that betrayed Silva. So and then they have this kind of like the son that was preferred over the son that was yeah. abandoned. And that explains the motive to get at him as well. And then that also explains how Bond knows when he goes to this island who he's facing. Yes. Because he knows it's That's coming. That's a very good point. And then they know they're not going to kill each other because they both they both want to get to M. And maybe he loves him. Maybe Silva loves right. him like as a brother. Yeah. I really like your idea of he goes to the courthouse when she's at her lowest, kidnaps her, shows how vulnerable she is makes a mockery of MI6, takes, takes her to Bond's yes, home yes, exactly. to come get your mother and and save her if you truly are loyal or allegiant. And he goes there and then they have that final sequence in the chapel. They could have the whole redemption thing happen there. I honestly think that would have made the movie so much better. Yeah, I think it would have made a much better movie. Aside from that, like maybe make the master plans a bit more grounded in reality again, because if you want your movie to be more grounded in reality, then, then do it instead of having these farcical, mm -hmm. everything has to just work out perfectly or it doesn't make sense, but it only makes sense because it fits the themes of the movie right. plans. There's a lot that's good in this movie. It just needed to be readjusted, maybe some depth added here and there, and I, I think it would have made for a much better, more it, memorable it, movie. And it blows Quantum of Solace and Spectre out of the water, I think. I've and, never seen Spectre. And, it definitely is better than Quantum of Solace. And yeah. here's kind of my problem with the whole slew of them, kind of all blend in a bit. So when we were reviewing this, like you watched it recently, I was going to, and I purposely made the decision not to, because I wanted to see how memorable is this movie. I saw it like three months ago for the second time. I thought, do you know what? I'm not going to watch it again. I'm going to go in like Ali prompt me on these things. But <laughs> how much of this am I going to like be able to piece together? Because obviously like it shouldn't be forgettable. Like I'm the kind of person I'll watch a movie like once unless it's like Memento or something where you want to watch a second time with a different frame of reference. Yeah. But like an action movie, I'd probably like you could ask me how Die Hard ended up and I could tell you the gist of it. Mm -hmm. So like a Bond movie is the same thing. So I figured, you know what? I'm just going to go in it. Okay, I might forget some of the characters' names. Well, you before <laughs> we were recording, you were talking about how like, isn't there just someone who's like after like, like M and it's like, what character are you talking about? What movie is this from? I think that's Spectre. There's someone, uh, not to spoil that movie too, but there's someone trying to overthrow MI6 again and make them look bad and, and it ends up going in the headquarters again and the building gets blown up and it's like so much of that happened in skyfall it just becomes so recycled to what you're saying again the hollywood formula especially these bomb movies that have very little room to stray it's like it all starts to blend in so it's like i get it why they change the actor every three movies because that's the only thing that keeps it fresh it. to the question that we were just like kind of asking generally speaking like earlier in the podcast of does the plot in a bond movie really matter you know just throw in some exotic locations exotic action, women exotic women some action scenes like a memorable henchman a memorable villain and then you're you're golden but see here's the thing they've i think the filmmakers have realized that that's not enough anymore we kind of have to offer more to our audience i think they were much more successful with casino royale and they tried again with skyfall it just didn't work just to say some pros i think 
the movie visually was like really great. They they did some cool stuff with action scenes, especially in the first half mm-hmm. that were pretty visually stunning. The one I remember the best is the fight that uh, Bond has with the assassin in Shanghai. They're doing it in front of this massive screen along mm-hmm. the side of a building and it just kind of looked cool. It reminded me of one of the John Wick movies actually. Predates the John Wick movies. So I did like that stuff. I appreciate it. Again, it's this storytelling that fails for me. But yeah, overall, I would agree with you. The movie is fixable. But because it's a big Bond franchise, where they're kind of stuck with what they've got. We're probably never going to see one that really pushes the boundaries like we want. Is there a new one coming out? Yeah, and I guess a good question is like, are you going to watch it? I think I will. I know nothing about it, but I think I'm just been so desperate for movies this past couple of years <laughs> that I'll give it like I'll obviously I never go like the first day like I'll see some of the feedback and if people are like, oh, it's like Spectre, I'll be like, oh. And then Great. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> it is, I think, Daniel Craig coming back for one last time. I'm not sure. I see maybe this is the secret to their formula. Like they know maybe they can't satisfy everyone, but people will still keep giving it a try and that's enough for them. That does seem to be the Hollywood formula. <laughs> <laughs> And before we sign off, as always, we have a few recommendations for things we've been watching lately. Uh, Connor, your recommendation? Well, just because I I feel like with these recommendations, at least for me personally, if I'm going to shit on a movie or at least give my feedback on a movie for an hour, that it should relate. So I was going to pick Casino Royale just because of everything we mentioned, so I don't need to go into it too much. But just the raw, the grittiness it did, it was a huge change from the Pierce Brosnan ones for all the right reasons. And it made Bond vulnerable. It showed other sides of him we have never seen. And it felt real. Like it felt like a what a real spy would go through. And if that's the direction they wanted to go on, I thought it was really interesting because it was new. When you, like you said, you've done 20 movies of the same thing, maybe you should put a new spin on it. And for my recommendation, I'm going to recommend something that's completely off base. When Connor saw saw it written down, he's like, what? <laughs> and so I recently did an 80s movie marathon of just 80s classics I'd never seen. Movies like uh, Dirty Dancing and Risky Business and Conan the Barbarian, all of which I actually kind of liked, surprisingly. I, especially Dirty Dancing, that was a surprise for me, but I, I thought it was a pretty good movie. But the one I liked the most out of those classics I hadn't seen was Footloose, and that's my recommendation for this episode. Do you know Footloose at all? Do you know the plot? That's Patrick Swayze, right? That's Dirty Dancing. Oh. Footloose is the Kevin Bacon one where he's this outsider newcomer to a small town where dancing has been banned. John Lithgow is this minister who's like really like gung-ho about no dancing. And so he's the villain. He's like the minister villain. And so the whole movie is this battle for the town's soul between Kevin Bacon, who's just a teenager in high school, and he's trying to get people dancing again to just kind of free themselves from the shackles of this minister. And he starts dating the minister's daughter. The movie's pretty interesting because you really see the point of view of all the characters, even the minister. The reason why this band started in the first place was because a couple of teenagers, including the minister's son, died in this horrific car accident. Dance accident. (laughs) (laughs) I think they had just left a dance party and they'd been drinking or something and they just died in this car accident. And because of that, that's why the town banned it. And so you see it from his perspective, the minister, like he's trying to protect the young people, but he's going too far. And uh, Kevin Bacon, he's the outsider. He just sees how crazy this all is. And he's trying to find purpose for himself in his life. And he thinks this is the way he can help people. I just felt like it felt really grounded in reality of like what a lot of people, whether you grew up in a small town or just like kind of like a repressed upbringing would go through. I was really impressed. Like, I don't give a shit about dancing. I don't care about, I don't dance really. But I was like, yeah, yeah, I can see the power and impact 
impact it can have when you're ta- when those things are taken away from you. So it's not like West Side Story where like he's dancing at the <laughs> church and then John Lithgow comes out dancing and like snapping his fingers. No, no, it's it's, it's not the Sharks versus the Jets. No, no, it's like a it's a I would say it's like a drama. There's a montage at one point and there's one like really famous scene where Kevin Bacon dances. Aside from that, it's just like a movie. Okay. Yeah, I feel like that's one of those iconic 80s movies that I've just never seen and not for any fault of its own, but I just hear so much about it that I feel like I've already seen it. Even though this one, I think I confuse it with Dirty Dancing. Apparently, <laughs> yeah. They, there are very similar themes between the two movies, which I found was interesting, but I would say Footloose is the superior one of the two. John Lithgow's great in it. Kevin Bacon is amazing in it. Like, he's so good. Okay, I'm gonna have to check it out now. What's the one where he's, like, spinning pottery? That's Ghost. That's That's Patrick Swayze. Okay. Yeah, that's Once again, confusing. I wouldn't recommend Ghost. I would (laughs) recommend Footloose and a lukewarm recommendation for Dirty Dancing. And that's our first podcast of the second season. Thank you so much for listening, as always. I'm your host, Ali. I'm Connor. And we'll be back with another episode... Soon. Soon. <laughs>